Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone, I'm Hannah, this is Kelty, we're Upbringing, we're here live to Q&A with you, talking Mm -hmm. about sensitive and spirited kids, how we can work with them, not against them, how we can honor their beautiful, sensitive spiritedness (laughs) um, for uh, sanity and social change, right? Yeah, also just kind of be able to uh, support them in all of their challenges and in all of their moreness than other kids maybe while also just getting stuff done just moving through the day right <sighs> surviving mm-hmm. aiming a, to thrive while surviving it's a goal that's a I goal for sure definitely I think today's going to be a little bit of a quicker episode we're really really grateful to be here um we want to acknowledge the fact that we're not doctors we're not health medical health professionals uh, we are parent coaches and we're here to talk also about our privilege and acknowledge that as mm-hmm. cis, straight, white, able-bodied women, uh, we're super privileged to be here discussing all this stuff and we think it's a responsibility to be talking about it as white privileged women, <laughs> considering not just our, our power and privilege in the parent-child dynamic, but outside of that and the, the waves, the ripples we can be creating with the way that we interact with our kids challenging behaviors and needs and temperaments mm-hmm. in the moment um, outside of the home. I love it. Type in, let us know what's going on with you. What are those big feelings and challenging behaviors that you are struggling with with your kids? Because we see these as incredible opportunities to be examining our power. Are we using it? Or are we abusing it? Mm-hmm. What are we teaching our kids about power? What are we teaching our kids about hierarchies, power over dynamics, discipline, essentially? Yeah. 
right? Conventional discipline uh, is not helping us parent our kids in ways that necessarily align with our progressive values as people. So that's what we're wanting to align in these sure. sessions and say, oh my gosh, all of this is so normal. This is all so tricky and tough. How can we show up? How can we look at it a different way? Yeah. How can we engage with it a different way? I think some of it is that, that big picture engagement. What are, how are we working on our beliefs? How are we considering our approach? How are we getting more intentional about it? And then how do we fucking get in there and say different words and convey different different values and mm -hmm. make an impression on these little people as much as they're making an impression on us? How do we create this symbiotic, beautiful relationship, not based in a traditional hierarchy, but in a democracy, right? Where we, we're still in charge, <clears throat> but we're not having to control our kids as though they're beneath us, mm -hmm. you know, well, less than. Yeah. Allie, you said, love you girls. It's been so long, but I'm happy to be here. We're happy you're here with us. Um, Sustainable Hills, you said, struggling with pinching. Yeah. So tell us, when does the pinching happen? Those of you who are arriving, let us know what's happening with you. What are the challenging behaviors and big feelings that you're struggling to support on the reg. How's with our your sound, kids? everyone? Uh, we have a new mic situation tonight and just mm -hmm. wanted to double check that it sounds good and it's not making some scary noises like it did the other day. Yeah. That'd be good to know. <laughs> Give us some feedback if you can even hear us. Maybe we're just like talking and everyone's like, I like this look. <laughs> Whatever's going gone on. Silent. They're just listening. <laughs> You know, this is where we actually do talk and, and share and hopefully bring your struggles and your challenges to the forefront yeah. where we can all be learning and, and growing from them. Yeah, we, we so relate with everything yeah. you're going through. Sure. Okay. So someone said, oh my gosh, I have a really hard time with my five-year-old daughter and power struggles. Too often it feels like she is so quick to anger and to snap at me. I want to not be so triggered and reactive. Yeah. That is such um beautiful intention thinking about, wow, okay, I'm noticing this doesn't sound or feel great when my five-year-old is, is, um, you know, quick to hot, anger, hot tempered yeah. and, you know, snaps back. Um, the, I think the first question is always in our respect step of our resist approach is asking, why is this bothering me? Mm -hmm. What's going on here? Is it the conventional wisdom that tells me that kids shouldn't snap at their parents or have feelings or, or needs? and express them in developmentally appropriate ways. Mm -hmm. So how can I get uh, clear on what's normal for a five-year-old, which is absolutely to go Snapping from zero to anger. 100 <laughs> and to snap back. And then the respect step of our resist approach, which you can download on our website, is also asking not just about our, our kid and getting clear on them, mm -hmm. but getting clear on us as parents and saying, why is it bothering me so much? Why am I struggling with this? Yeah. When why I is, was a kid. Why is this feeling like a power struggle instead of my daughter advocating for her needs? Mm -hmm. Why shouldn't this be something about power exchanging hands? Why should I have Is all that the okay? power? Why shouldn't a power struggle or mm -hmm. her asserting her own personal power be okay yeah. or feel okay? Where's that coming from? Yeah. All good questions. She's my little volcano, you say. I love it. <laughs> hey, Amy. I like thinking about those yeah. little volcanoes in our lives as needing to purge, <laughs> erupt, right? Maybe a volcano is scary because you're like, what is the, the death count here? What's going to happen to all those little squirrels in the trees and all those things? I think of it more as like a tea kettle being mm -hmm. like, my tea is ready. Mm -hmm. So when my daughter or my son or Hannah's Click, kids more rarely tea yeah. kettles, I hear the sound. I hear that volcano of sorts erupting. I try to imagine it more in a positive sense, which is I get to have some warm tea now. 
That means <laughs> we get to engage in this collaborative, connective experience together where I can respect my child for who they are, what they're proffering up right now, what they're saying they're needing in their own developmentally appropriate way, mm -hmm. which sounds very hard and is very difficult to, um, to go through. Absolutely. And then what can I do about it? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really I don't know tricky. if that, if that helps you kind of re rewire, rework your impressions of, of your little volcano, but mm -hmm. yeah, that's the it's goal, tricky. right? And we're going to have a spirited kids guide out soon, which we're mm -hmm. really excited about. It can go through some of that, that phrasing. And I think some of these comments here are talking about, um, not just the behavior of what their spirited kid is showing them, but it's also calling into question, how's their approach? Mm -hmm. And I think that our approach is so important and it matters so much. And it's not like on us, like we're doing something wrong, but it's calling us in to maybe consider and recalibrate our approach a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, Melody, you said, I struggle with my nine-year-old son who yells in my face and gets pushy when he's angry, trying to help him learn to feel his anger and take care of himself. But it's so triggering. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's where you can... You want to co-regulate your nine-year-old screaming in your face is like your nine-year-old when they were a baby crying, right? It's but so it's hard just, to make that connection. It doesn't feel that way, right? Based yeah. on how we were treated as nine-year-olds, based on how we treat everyone in society. But also remembering that's also a great opportunity to set boundaries and to mm -hmm. say, I'm going to co-regulate with you and calm your nervous system as best I can. Yeah. You're my baby. I love you. But I'm also, if I'm feeling triggered going to take a moment to myself. I'm going to protect yeah. myself. I'm going to see this coming from as early a place as possible mm -hmm. and find a way to prepare myself and calm myself or get a little bit of distance and separation. Yeah. I know my nine-year-old isn't going to fall off the table or, you know, do something a toddler would do. They're mm -hmm. probably okay for a minute. How can I show up best for them? And that's yeah. not always being there the minute they're ready to explode. Yeah. And I think those moments that we're someone screaming in our face, whether it's a nine-year-old or a two-year-old or whoever it is, is the perfect moment if we're able to take that, what we, what we call a personal timeout. Mm -hmm. Those moments that our conventional parenting toolbox says, send your kid to timeout, get mm -hmm. them out of here for that behavior that is maladaptive that I don't like seeing. We say, I'm going to take a personal timeout myself. Yeah. Honey, I see you're struggling. I'll be right back. I need to go take some deep breaths in the other room, right? Sometimes that can create or incite more um, of an explosion, big sure. feelings or barnacling, which <laughs> is okay too. That's going to move towards the, key, uh, the tea kettle situation we mentioned earlier even faster. And that's okay. All of our kids' feelings are okay. All of their expressions of feelings are okay. And in the heat of the moment, our only goal is to de-escalate, is to <sighs> calm ourselves, to help calm our kids, and then take those breaks when we're feeling unable. Right. So that we don't slip into that, that conventional parenting toolbox of shaming, blaming, isolating, spanking, mm -hmm. yelling, all the things that we don't want to do. Right? right. Remembering that, like that our kids, big feelings aren't inherently negative. They're not inherently bad. And that we've been conditioned to believe that based on our conventional wisdom, mm -hmm. what shows we watch, the books we read, the people we're around. And also, especially in our own childhoods, our parents dealt with us and supported us the best they could, but they were also raised a particular way. And our culture doesn't think that feelings are okay. And that's why everybody's in therapy and spending money on a therapist instead of on vacation or yeah. on, you know, whatever else they would want to be doing. Um, so I think we have to keep remembering and put on our goggles or get to our meta place, break out of that matrix and think, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, and remind ourselves through mantras, through those types of things uh, that we mentioned in our big feelings guide. Which is um, on sale this week. Oh, that's right. Um, that 
it's okay that we're actually safe. We're retraining our brains in these moments. Our kids are calling us in to say, I'm going to recondition my brain to realize that feelings are okay. I'm safe in feelings. And that's what we then in, in that presence. And in that moment with our kids, we get to be teaching them so that when they're older, they can show up in a situation, their big feelings at stake, things are going on. They're not going to be a, you know, a doormat, right? They're not going to allow people to treat them like hot garbage, Mm -hmm. right? But they're also not going to dominate people or run away from people, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to hold space and say, What's going on? But right? oh, that's such a big How are, ask. How's everyone doing? It's a big ask because it asks us right now, every yeah. episode, every video we talk about to hold space now. If we want yeah. our kids to be able to sit in that discomfort of conflict when they're older, that's telling us we got to be doing it right now. If we want our mm-hmm. kids in our voice to say, I'm safe right now. I'm just having feelings. This other person's having feelings. We're going to figure it out. That's what we have to be saying to them when they're having feelings and other people are having feelings. Our voice becomes our kid's inner voice. And that's mm-hmm. so hard. And it's never too late to be changing that voice. But it's also right? a lot easier to be changing our approach than it is to be changing our kid's experience of the world. Yeah. I think that that's like conventional parenting is saying, change the way they're feeling. Change what their perspective is. You don't have to feel that. That's yeah. a, not a big deal. Yeah. Why are you saying that? You're getting too mad. I don't like this. That is so much work and so much pressure and it's not productive and it just harms our relationship with our kids. Instead saying, how can I look at this and show mm-hmm. up in a way that's based in research, it's based in science, that's actually going to build my kids' awareness in creating safety around natural human emotions, right? Yeah. And build their skills then. We can't learn and build skills if we're feeling unsafe yeah. so or if we're shutting down the, the practice yeah. of moving through it together. That's what it is. Practice. Yeah. Someone said spitting on you, hurting you, anything. If you ask something they don't want. Yes. They sound like they've got an opinion. Stress too. Something going on that they don't want. And I think so much about it. If you ask them something they don't want, I think that the first thing is of course asking, why don't they want it? And the second thing, these are back to the respect step of our resist approach is saying, how am I asking it? What is my approach to asking my child something? Mm right? Why, why, why are they struggling to, you know, am I doing a demand? Am I demanding something by asking? We call it asking, but most of the time as a person in power, it's, over our kids, it's a demand. It's on our time. It's in our way. It's on in our, our terms, on our terms, right? It's from across the room. It's when we're ready for them to do whatever it is. Yeah. And realizing that our kids resistance is a beautiful thing that, that tells us it's information that says, Whoa, something's off here. I am too power over this child and they're not learning what I want them to learn about power in this moment. We're not building a relationship that I'm proud of in this moment. Their resistance, which looks like spitting, hurting, pinching, avoiding, pinching is saying, mom, dad, this isn't right. I don't like this. We need to recalibrate this. Mm -hmm. That's your approach. Maybe that's you asking me questions. Maybe that's you bringing me in collaboratively. Maybe that's you giving me a break to pull myself together so I can try again. Maybe it's you waiting a few more minutes yeah. because I take time to transition. You know, yeah. it's all of those things. We get to we get to experiment and test uh, test the boundaries, but we're with another human, and I think it's yeah. so easy for us to forget that with our kids. We're like. It's the mom show. <laughs> I'm here. What I say goes, when I say goes, yeah. where I say we goes, how into I teacher say mode goes. and we're like, yeah. must dominate, must teach, must, must instill. It comes very responsibility. It comes very easily for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, this is Katie. Anne said, teachers mm-hmm. need this training. 100% love you both. Love you too. Camp Katie, everyone. Mm-hmm. Lucky to be here with her. 
Um, let's see what else. Oh, pinching when we try to set a limit. Usually when we are moving him to a safe space, we respond calmly and he knows he can rile me up by pinching. Mm. Oh. And rile you up is, it's a, it's a harder way of saying maybe engage you, connect mm-hmm. with you. I think oftentimes our kids, uh, wildest behaviors and wildest words we see as attention seeking, um, predatory. Yeah. We see as <laughs> manipulative, uh, aggressive. And what they really are is connection seeking. They're not attention seeking. They're connection seeking. They're, they're not, um, harm seeking. They're help seeking. They're saying I'm dysregulated. I need help. Yeah. And they're not maladaptive. They're adaptive. Yeah. Yeah. Our kids are showing us all the time what they need. When our kids are, are pinching us, that's not being like, that's maladaptive because we don't want that behavior in our home. It's saying that's adaptive. They are showing me that they need help right now, that they need my connection, that they need support, that they're stressed, that they're hungry, that they're tired, that they, you know, based on the skills they have, right. Based on the brains they have, they're doing the best they can to see to their needs, to to create a sense of security for themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And pinching, if that's what, what gets the job done, they're needing to pinch, right? They're needing to bite. Those are all um, flight and fight behaviors mm-hmm. saying, get away from me or I'm going to go at you, right? Mm-hmm. Those are all dysregulated behaviors when our kids focus in their brain is in the back part, the reactive survival part. It's not in the frontal lobe, the PFC, mm-hmm. where they're trying to build that area where they have logic and judgment and, and that's problem where we solving. Can in those and, moments that we're yeah. feeling so triggered, they know they can push our buttons by pinching or being like, mur, 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 pulling on our hair, rolling their eyes, or making this noise that bugs us like, <laughs> right? They know. <laughs> and those are the moments that we can see those behaviors for what they are and try to lean in lovingly to engage with them mm-hmm. or take that break we talked about earlier. But mm-hmm. that's, that's the big ask is saying, how can I do the opposite of what I was conditioned to do, which, which is our control toolbox, consequences, ignore, on my terms, shame. now, threats, rewards, overpower, lectures, shame, blame, spanking, patriarchy, racism, all the things in this toolbox that we were handed, right? This hierarchy, this inherited legacy that we can break that cycle of. Mm -hmm. We can say, I don't want to use those tools. Sometimes I'm just going to be like, I'm so tired. Okay, here's one. And we just do it and that's okay. okay. But other moments we can say, I'm not going to use those tools. I'm going to use our resist approach. I always go like this because it's usually here in our other room, but I'm going to use our resist approach or I'm going to use just connection over control instead. Mm -hmm. That's that it's a big ask, but it helps us all elevate. That's what upbringing is all about is growing up alongside our kids, Mm -hmm. letting our kids not in those challenging moments, drag us down to our worst or make us think the worst of them, but to inspire us to elevate to build those skills, to build our game, to maintain that connection, to level us up to yeah. our best over time. Mm-hmm. Not to like a, a perfection, but just no. to, to, to constant growth, to progress. You know, that's the opportunity for sure. Someone says, <clears throat> my four-year-old's not there mentally for like 30 to 45 minutes. And I feel like there is nothing I can do. If I try breathing or ask her how she feels, it triggers her even more. So are you talking about uh, a meltdown moment? possibly. Um, let us know how's, how it's going. Um, and, and that, you know, that dysregulation can happen for a while. Some kids spitting, hurting anything. If you ask something they don't want, yeah. You know, they've got that, that window of tolerance. That's our alarm. (laughs) We're supposed to stop the live right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> to drive home to our kids. Um, but uh, dysregulation can look different for everybody, right? Based on their window of tolerance, based on the nervous system that they have. So some kids, let's start with babies. Some babies, they, they start crying and you're like, oh gosh, they're crying. And you go to pick them up and you pick them up and they're still crying. And then you put them to your chest and, <laughs> and you, you stand there for a minute and they calm down immediately. And it's not because you're a baby whisperer or because your attachment is so strong necessarily. It's also because that's their nervous system. They're able to calm. They're able to connect, right? Regulate. And there are other babies who you see them crying and you pick them up and you do the exact same thing, the exact same attachment history, right? And they do not stop crying, right? Yeah. And that's just their nervous system. That's how long it takes them to regain a sense of balance, right? To go from that fight or flight that total dysregulation to a place of balance and calm But I love again. that you keep bringing this up, Hannah, is, is that connection to our babies. We all mm-hmm. have these distant memories of uh, often of what our babies went through, what they were like. Maybe we tell yeah. a little little parable every now and then of, of what they put us through or whatever. But our, our babies are the same as our kids now. They have that same nervous system. And yeah. sometimes we, we can connect those dots and other times that feels really distant and really hard. But our kids today, our kids right now, our kids in the moment that they're spitting and hitting and, and pinching and yelling and not wanting to talk about their feelings and not coming down to regulation, to calm quick enough, is exactly how they were pound for pound when they were a baby, mm-hmm. right? And I think the bigger ask, aside from making that connection, is saying, can we respond in a way that's similar to how we responded then? Mm-hmm. Can we, when our kids are doing those things, that feels so maladaptive, that feels so challenging and so triggering to us, look at them like a crying baby asking for help because that is legit what they are in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like a bunch of permissive horse shit and it's absolutely not. Yeah. It's I'm, so hard. I'm though. still a crying baby when I'm like being mean oh, to my sure. husband. I'm still saying help me inside. We've talked about it in therapy. It's like a thing. It, it's yeah. totally real. <laughs> therapy, we have to high five, right? Live in abundance and that's a good, what's a good substitute for be careful. Mm-hmm. I try to ask if it feels safe but she's only two and she doesn't seem to understand the concept. Yeah. Uh, the concept of safe and understanding it is living it. Um, so a lot of kids can't understand if something's safe until they literally feel it in their bodies. That's how kids learn. That's how most people learn yeah. is through experiencing it personally. So discussing, oh, be careful. Oh, that's safe. Oh, that's not. Is It's a, just a little bit... Um, Abstract. abstract for them and a little bit disconnected yeah. from the way they'll actually learn. But I think it can prohibit them, but it can't actually teach them. But I think this person is, is really hitting the nail on the head and saying, I don't want to be saying, be careful because yeah. that's censoring my child's experience. That's stopping their body attunement. That's stopping their, their mm-hmm. processing what is safe for their body and not. We're talking about not just them teetering on a little log today, but entering a moment where consent might be needed in their teens. Mm-hmm. What feels safe to you right now? Right. So we want to keep connecting our kids back to themselves. Like you saying, does that feel safe? Right. Great question. And so, but I think that with, especially with young kids or older kids that move very quickly, we can't preempt the conversation. We have to basically get as close as we can to support. And then we talk about it after. And that's mm-hmm. where the learning happens in the moment for them. Yeah. And then after in processing, we can't always pre-process Right. Yeah. But I think a lot of the, a lot of it is asking ourselves, is this terribly unsafe? Because in that case, I might say, Hey, I might have to help you down or how you doing, or this seems unsafe. Can I spot you closer? Mm-hmm. But if we really are just like, it seems a little unsafe, they might fall. They might face plant. They might twist an ankle a little. They might get into the mud. 
if, if we're asking these questions to be generating awareness, great. Right. Let it play out. Mm-hmm. Let them fall in the mud. Let them bonk their head. Yeah. Let them slip on the ice a little. That's the best way to learn. Let them get yeah. on that rocky wall piece and feel that jostling and be like, oh, I don't know if that's safe. Right. And we're there spotting. Mm-hmm. But we're not saying, I know your body better than you do. Mm-hmm. Right. That's our goal is to never be saying that. Right. What we want to say is I'm here to support you experiencing the world as Mm -hmm. you should to learn from it. Yeah. I'm going to keep you safe, but I want you to learn on your terms in your time. And then after that, you can say, whoa, that was a little unstable. Why do you think that was? And you can be like, look at, let's look at your feet. And they could be like, look at their Mm -hmm. feet. And you can be like, let's look at this wood. Wow, there's a broken piece here. And they will like totally zero in on that. Totally. Or they won't. And then there might be those times (laughs) where we feel like they're doing something unsafe and we can't be there. So that might be a moment that we put a limit, a loving limit. Mm -hmm. It seems like that knife isn't actually safe for you to be using. I saw you kind of graze the side of your finger and I'm a little concerned about it. And I can't be here to spot you right now or I can't be here to watch you. I think we need to find a different knife. Mm -hmm. I love that you're wanting to cut this stuff. Or I love that you're wanting to scale the wall over here. I'm with baby over here, so I can't be supporting you in the way that I think you need to be. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to censor you and say you can't ever go there, but you need a a little wingman right now, wingwoman, wing person. Mm -hmm. Right? I think so often I think we can think that the more we warn our kids and toddlers and prepare them, the more they're going to be conditioned to listen to us about safety. And it's actually the other way around. If we're constantly talking and harping and controlling and, and kind of um, micromanaging How do they kids, see us? Safety they, police. Mom's got it. She's on it. Right. So they may... Nothing just, will happen to me ever. I'm good. I'll be <laughs> fine. Right? And they also might learn that... So that's the more sensitive maybe mm-hmm. where they're like, oh gosh, I can't do anything yeah. or whatever. But it's also the more spirited might be like, I'm a tune mom out. Mm-hmm. And I don't trust anything she says because she said, be careful. And I did it anyway, because that's what I do as so a spirit kid. Invincible and- so I'm fine mm-hmm. and I'm not going to listen to her anymore. And so we want to be very careful about how we engage with our kids around these important things, this safety, this risk, this this um, body autonomy and, and kind of risk assessment. We aren't the risk assessment police. We want to help them learn about risk assessment yeah. for their own bodies. So how can we do that sensitively? That's not undermining it or that's, over-controlling that's the, it. The, the dynamic, really. We talk about this so much in our podcast episode, Free to Play, mm-hmm. um, where risky play and risky behaviors, especially between siblings or on play equipment or those things, comes into play so much. How can we avoid being mm-hmm. the play <clears throat> police or just letting it all go and letting all the chips fall as they may? And how can we kind of get off our butts and be there to support when we're able. It's so much easier more to like, hey, way. stop doing that. Get down. Hey, it's not it. safe. Or they're like, you're just like, I'm not even watching. I <laughs> la, can't la, even la. watch this. Right. I'll deal with the aftermath. Right. Oh my gosh. My son just got, uh, almost got stitches, staples on his head. He fell on the trampoline the other day and it just made me realize like, um, we've done a lot of work about safety stuff and it was yeah. just kind of a fluke accident, but it wasn't anything overly risky necessarily that I, I, I should have been there for, and it made me feel a little bit better about it, but it's so tricky. We can't, we can't protect our kids from every single thing. Um, and as much as we'd want to, but the, the real learning happens there. He's going to be so careful on that trampoline and the, now. the learning happens after in those yeah. debriefing conversations. I'm still having conversations with my daughter from almost a year ago when she sliced her nose open on, on the rocks. Maybe some of you heard the debrief yeah. a little bit about that, but we're still having those conversations. Mm-hmm. How did that go down? How are you feeling then? Mm-hmm. Oh, did it hurt? What were you thinking? Were the rocks slippery? 
why did that happen? Oh, what was going on? Yeah. Just right. those are the conversations that we so naturally want to, like with every circle, circle back opportunity, swim and rug. We're in a connective moment. We're talking about mm-hmm. Harry Potter or ice cream earlier or grandparents fun tomorrow. Right. Why would I bring up that terrible shit? Because that's actually where learning happens. We mm-hmm. are just so conditioned to believe that learning happens by us telling them before. Mm-hmm. And really all the learning happens for our kids in the moment and after the moment with us. Yeah. And not so, through a grill back of like, no. oh, I told you so. So, <laughs> um, I think, you know, I guess you learned something. We but could like, talk about risky behavior like forever. Sure. People also say be careful more often to girls than boys, Katie so says. So true. So true. Yeah, there's research documenting that. Yeah, definitely. Um, a few other folks, we've got to wrap this up soon, but it's mostly next to water. She can't swim yet. And we have a canal next to us with no barriers and it freaks me out. And I want to experience the edge, but it's scary for me. Yes. Our mom was really scared of edges and we have that same kind of feel. I mean, it's like a... Um, like a, a natural, you know, parent protective type thing. But I think so much of it calls us in to say, how can we be there? Not to show her that it's safe, but it's, it's to safe to explore this with mm-hmm. my presence, yeah. right? What's, what's the limit of her exploration with my presence until it's no longer safe. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to toe that line as long as I can. And then I'll pull <clears> the plug <throat> with a loving limit. If mm-hmm. I can't just knowing something is unsafe isn't going to stop kids from doing it. They have to understand that it's unsafe and experience and up to a point that it's unsafe. So almost letting her fall in. So she knows, Oh my gosh. Right. Letting her almost get to that point and then grab onto you. That's what we'll teach her. Not you preventing her from ever going to the water side. Right. Though. I mean, we slip into those places of lectures in those moments. Like I gotta tell you why I gotta tell you why I can't, I gotta tell you why I can't, I gotta tell you why I can't. If we're even sharing why. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that in those moments, hopefully we can arm ourselves with a little bit of humor, with a little bit of curiosity. Like, you know what I was thinking about that edge? Mm -hmm. What would happen if your foot went, if we can dedicate like one minute to actually really, truly connecting about something that terrifies us, that we're scared our kids might experience, as opposed to just laying down the law Mm -hmm. or saying, because I said so, or saying, because it's not safe. Kids don't know what not safe means unless they experience it or unless we can explore it with them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cognitively or experientially. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone said, can we talk consequences? Having a tough time lately with our little man with big feelings who just turned four meltdown central lately. If things don't go his way, the exact way he wants it. And as far as consequences go, his meltdown is the consequence to feeling disappointment about not getting something. And there have to be no more consequences associated with that freedom to feel. That's one of our uh, favorite episodes and one of our freedoms. You can download our freedoms Mm -hmm. um, model on our website at upbringing.co, but he has the freedom to feel however he feels about a boundary or limit you set. And he's going to do it in his four-year-old way based on the skills he has. Our our kids can't at four years old say, so no more cookies. Um, I'm going to go journal about that. I'm going to think about this. I'll be back in a few minutes. I agree, but I respect your right to be the parent. I'm going to go jump this out in the other room. Um, And then we're just going to look at you and just be like a little disappointed, but I'll let it go. No grief. Right. No, four-year-olds cannot handle that disappointment and they will not be able to handle it if they don't feel safe in experiencing the feelings of disappointment in their body, which look really wild to us at that age, but they'll get over that. They'll express it differently, if they, especially if they feel yeah. a safety and, a, and a, an acknowledgement uh, from us that that's okay. 
I think there's been a big movement towards quote unquote consequences as opposed to punishments, right? Maybe some of us grew up with, and we know our parents grew up with straight up punishments, spanking or um, isolation, mm-hmm. like timeouts and shaming and blaming and all these things. And I think consequences is like punishments light. It's like, I'm just going to give you a consequence. You did this. I'm sorry. So no TV. You had these big feelings. So I'm sorry. You can't go to your friend's house tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. You did this. So definitely no more ice cream ever. Those are not natural consequences. And I think people also get stuck in the natural consequence loop. Mm -hmm. I've decided this consequence is natural because that sounds a lot better than an imposed consequence. So let's call this consequence a natural (laughs) one. We get so... Like confused. It's a lot of thinking and a lot of work. But that's why it's so much easier to say no consequences, no punishments, just connection. And that takes just reality. But that takes so much of, um, it's such an ask for us as parents and our egos and our history and our triggers to say, they don't have to, I don't have to impose any consequences. I don't have to conjure or construct Mm -hmm. any punishments. Because I felt uncomfortable by this and didn't like what I saw and felt. But that's the feeling that comes up in us is when our kids respond negatively and have big feelings that make us uncomfortable, they trigger these feelings in us. We then, based on our power over dynamics, right? And hierarchy that we've been trained in these institutions, including the home, we then think, well, I have to then respond to those feelings. They went like this, I have to go like this. Those feelings are inherently threatening to me. Right. I would never say out loud that my three-year-old's feelings are threatening to me, but they are because I'm a child inside in this moment. So then I'm going to ante that up and throw a consequence on top. And they're going to ante that up and pee in my closet or scream for an extra half an hour. Or just have a lot of sleep issues and, and potty yeah. regression, hold and it in. stress and right. lash out their sibling. And, and I, I think that when, when we set a limit or a boundary that we know is good for us and for our kids... That needs to be the end of the conversation. Our kids can then have all the feelings they have and we can allow that. And it is the biggest freedom to say, we don't have to do anything else, but just love our kids. But but I worry that I worry with you saying the end of the conversation, Hannah, because that makes me conjure up this idea of me saying, that's the end of the conversation. (laughs) We said no more cookies. So no more conversation. And I, I think mean the conversation as far as consequences I know, go. but but in some ways, it's really the beginning of the conversation mm. and saying, tell me more. I actually don't want to hear this. It's really triggering. It's so hard. But tell me more. Mm-hmm. You didn't want that. You didn't like that limit. You wanted more of this thing or you wanted less of this thing. Or you wanted to stay at the park. Or you mm-hmm. wanted your friend to come over. Tell me. You wanted your friend to come over. What let's, would you guys have let's done? Let's connect about how what passionate you, you are about this. Let's connect mm-hmm. about how I'm ruining your life and I'm okay with that. Thank you for sharing that angst or with me. we can just nod. Mm-hmm. We can just tunnel in a little bit, put up our force field. If we're feeling triggered and, and fragile about our kids being human and expressing with their right to express how they feel about us, controlling their life, and that's okay. We insulate a little bit. We nod. Okay. Okay. All the things. Yeah. Right. And then we can circle back later. So it's not an end of conversation. I love that. Right. But in the, in that rush it's the to the end just, of the control conversation, <laughs> but in that, I just want to say like as a wrap up thing, but like we, in these moments of conflict, we just want to pull the plug. We just want to wrap it up with a bow and be done with it. And that's what a consequence or a punishment feels. It's like, I need resolution. resolution. Mm-hmm. I need this to be done. I need them to know it was wrong and it sucked and they put me out. And I need to be on top at the end of yeah. this too. And instead of the right tying one. it all up with a bow, can we think of of our new approach being more of an unraveling in a really healthy way of these knots that we've been conditioned to feel in us, this tightness, Mm -hmm. right? This stress 
of having power struggle, right? Of having mm-hmm. to create a resolution through something we don't believe in. Yeah. You know, that's very Thich Nhat Hanh about Thank the you. unraveling in the knots. I love that. Someone said, my daughter always says she misses when she was a baby because I was always so nice. I get that. Oh, we hear it's comments hard. like that that's, too. That's the struggle to see our, our kids in uh, all their wild glory as just little babies underneath and to see one another. And someone said, uh, crying also. I feel like since I had my second, I'm different mom to my daughter too because I'm way more tired. We get that. I, I love those yeah. moments. You can tell your daughter, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm feeling different sometimes. Our life is different yeah. right now. I love you exactly the same as yeah. I did before a baby came. Yeah. Call out that elephant baby in the room in those moments right. that we want to be like, no, everything's still normal. Everything's still good. I'm still who I am. Just call it out. Be real. Our kids will, will love that. Love us for it. Yeah. You're all doing an amazing job. We're so proud of you. We're yeah. so grateful to be here talking about this, normalizing this, connecting about all of these things, remembering that these conflicts and these power struggles and this confusion and, um, and stress about our kids is inherently valuable if we're able to, and privileged yeah. enough to connect about it in this way and see the opportunity um, to, to build our skills, to build our connection, to build our, rebuild our own inner wisdom and authority that maybe we've lost along the way a little bit. Mm-hmm.